Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. All right, welcome again to the Defender Bible Study. This is Rick Morton, Vice President of Engagement here at Lifeline Children's Services, and we're excited again for you to join us today. We're continuing our study today in Plain Theology for Plain People by Charles Octavius Booth. Uh, Last week, Gavin Williams walked us through an introduction to the book and uh, beginning a a study of the person and the character of God. Today, we're going to continue with chapter two of the book, um, looking at the doctrine of man. Um, And so uh, Booth sort of uses an anchor text, uh, Genesis chapter one, and, and really, uh, Genesis chapters one, two, and three are are the primary things that he um, that he would have us to delve into as we take a look at um, the doctrine of man. Genesis one, beginning verse twenty six, says it says, "Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth." So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I've given every green plant for food. And so it was, and so God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and there was evening, and there was morning on the sixth day. And so about creation, one of the things that Booth points out is um, that that man doesn't... um, it doesn't appear on the stage of action with regard to creation until the world world has been completed until God saw uh, that it was good and and he points out that this is this is God's way of pointing out both that uh, that as humankind we are unique we're created in the image of God we're created with um, with a spiritual sense that that doesn't uh, that isn't common to the rest of creation. And, and that there's a specialness, uniqueness in that creating creation, um, but that we are we are part of the creation. We are not part of the creating. And so God didn't create man on on day one, so that uh, so that we as human beings, or so that Adam could have taken part in in the creating of everything else. Adam is the recipient of creation, and and he is he's kind of the fulfillment of creation. Um, and the capstone, but is um, so as not to to self exalt, um, and, um, and and about our nature um, that we have we have really two natures uh, that we have a, a body that's created out of the dust and that came from the earth and uh, but we also have a spiritual nature that's re- capable of receiving moral guidance and fulfilling moral obligations and that makes us really distinct from the rest of creation we kind of joke a lot of times in our family with our dogs that um, that we tend to talk for our dogs and, and, and ascribe human emotion to them uh, about the way that they, they feel or what they're thinking. And, uh, and it's kind of fun to, to do that. And, 
um, and, and to, to, to treat them that way. But the truth is they don't have those kinds of feelings. They don't have those kinds of thoughts. Um, they, they basically are, are reacting to the world around them um, in, in a way that lacks that sense of, of spiritual sensitivity um, and, and that, that sense of knowing that comes um, through being a, a, a spiritual being, being able to relate to, uh, to God and to the things of God. Um, now, also, Booth points out that God made man upright and a holy disposition like that of God, um, that, um, that God gave us the ability to have, uh, to have a moral conscience and to make moral decisions and, um, and, and all, all of that. And so why did, why did God go through all of this um, careful consideration and careful creation of, of human beings um, to be able to mirror him in, uh, in that sense of morality, in that sense of, of moral conscience. And it's because human beings were created for an important purpose, to bear the image of God, to be fit for the presence of God, and to be prepared to enjoy fellowship with him. Um, and truly, we, we weren't created because God had some sort of lack that he needed to make up or that he needed to fill in order to make himself complete. God created people um, so that so that we would have the privilege of, of of knowing him of carrying his image so that we would have the privilege of being able to to be in and, it, and to enjoy his presence and then ultimately so that we could enjoy um, relationship with him um, but Booth points out and, and I don't know that I've ever heard another writer um, that has has said it this way that that man was like God, but that man was like an infant in relation to God um, with regard to his knowledge and and to his position. And so there's the sense that there is a there is a unique spiritual nature about human beings that the rest of creation doesn't um, doesn't possess, but that is not nearly um, being like God. Uh, the other thing that we see about about us and our creation and the nature of man is that that man has been made has been made subject to to a special government. In other words, God gave a command to humans that He didn't give to the rest of creation. Um, Genesis two seventeen says the Lord took the, took the man the man and uh, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, "You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat, you shall surely die." Um, and 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 Booth points out that that perhaps this that that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil maybe wasn't really all that special as a tree. Um, what was significant was the the command that came from God, and that God was establishing His government with Adam by by making as simple a declaration as possible to him, uh, because even Af Adam in his his infant nature spiritually, um, his immature nature spiritually, even Adam was able to understand this and comprehend it, um, and to be able to follow it. And, and so, in other words, um, when God sets aside the tree, ultimately what He's doing is He's setting aside an order, and and He's He's saying to Adam that there are boundaries that 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 He must live in, and there are boundaries that we must live in with regard to moral conduct and and those things that God has, uh, assigns to us, um, and and that we have we have we're given a responsibility ultimately to to carry out those uh, moral edicts of of God. 
Um, but then uh, we know Adam and Eve disobeyed, and, and there was a penalty um, to, their, to their transgression. Um, Genesis 2-7 says that the, that the breath of God um, made man a living soul, and that, that ultimately when, when we see the penalty of uh, the transgression of Adam and Eve, that, that they ultimately obviously didn't physically die right there in that moment, uh, but, their, but their spiritual death was complete as they, as they fell away from unfettered relationship with God. Um, according to Booth, he says, uh, God, the righteous judge of the universe, cannot permit and encourage disobedience in his creatures by filling their heart um, with life and blessings. And in other words, um, that, that God created an opportunity uh, for man to live well. And, and when, uh, when human beings, when Adam and Eve didn't live well and they didn't choose well, um, there, was a, there was a great consequence um, and, and, that the, and that death... Um, began first by killing the spirit and by breaking and fracturing the relationship between us and God. And, and then the, the consequences to the physical world around us are, are merely a byproduct of that, that spiritual death. Um, but that, but that we as human beings ultimately, um, fell because of our own choice. Adam and Eve fell and sin entered the world because of because of their choice and and all of us we we follow in that choice. We may inherit a sin nature, uh, but we're all too willing um, to 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 chase that. Um and you know, ultimately Satan uses um, th- this this hint that God may not be as pure um, as Adam and Eve have thought that he is. In, uh, in, 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 a, in Genesis 3, 4, and 5, it says, But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Um, and, and, and there's question, and, and Booth addresses this in, uh, in his book about why didn't God just banish Satan from the garden? Why didn't, uh, why didn't he just keep the tempter away? And, and here's his answer. He says, The character that cannot stand except when it is imprisoned and garden, guarded with, with without virtue, it is only a sham. Moreover, as the sunshine and storms deepen the root and toughen the trunk of the tree, so the trials and temp- temptations should fix our principles and deepen our conviction. Um, and, and here's the thing. It doesn't. Uh, apart from the quickening work of God, we are frail and fallible. We, um, we, and, and ultimately, we need a nature, um, not that is of ourselves, but we need a nature that only comes from God. And, and so this is really the place where we understand that it wasn't banishing the tempter and, and keeping Adam and Eve from being able to sin that was the need that Adam and Eve had. What they need is, is what we all need, and, and it's that nature that comes only from God, and that's precisely why Jesus had to accomplish his work. Um, we, there is no way we can be complete um, without the work of Jesus. And ultimately, Adam and Eve couldn't be complete um, without the, the, the work of Jesus. Now, obviously, we know that the, that the, 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 the immediate results of their sin um, was that, that their obedience was providing a covering in their sin and keeping them in right standing with God. And once they disobeyed, um, their disobedience, in, in, in Booth's words, stripped them of their royal robes. 
Um, and, and so they, they, they try to cover their shame with fig leaves or, as Booth says, with a covering that, uh, that will dry and crumble and fall off. Um, and so we see the result, the immediate result of, of Adam and Eve's sin is cowardice and infighting and deception and hiding. And that's something we all can identify with, that, that many times our, um, our, our first go-to when, uh, when we are caught up in sin is to blame someone else, to blame others uh, instead of taking, um, taking responsibility. But what do we see when when God then comes to look for Adam and Eve and he finds them hiding and 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 and, and fighting among themselves and and ultimately trying to to blame shift um, what does God do God puts forth his work he slays an animal and makes coverings for them God um, God provides um, a way for a way forward for them and, and ultimately, um, we have to, to trust on the greater work that God has provided in the, in, in the shedding of, of Jesus' blood and ultimately the covering that he's provided for us um, in Christ. And so there are, there are legal aspects of the fall that we see that happen um, that, are, that are part of um, then the, the fall of man. Um, Ezekiel 18.20 says, The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the father suffer for the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. In other words, we, we all have sinned, and we all deserve death. Romans 1.8 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Romans 12, 11, uh, 2, 11 and 12, For God shows no partiality, for all have sinned without the law, will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged um, by the law. And, and so ultimately, we understand that part of the nature of man is the inescapable reality of sin and the inescapable reality of our separation from Christ. But the, but the amazing thing is that that's not the end of the story. Ephesians 2.12, remember that, that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And so even as we look into the frailty of, of, of our reality as human beings, even as we look into um, how far we've strayed from our creative purpose and, and how much we struggle with the tendency to want to be God, um, that also leads us to stare face-to-face -face into the reality that we cannot conquer uh, our own beast. We cannot conquer our own problem but that God, through Christ and through the blood of Jesus, has provided for us um, the conquering, and, and that he has won the battle for us, and that he provides for us uh, a way to be reconciled to the Father and to be adopted as a child of God. And so today, I hope that you'll rest in the fact that, that though we are, we are a frail creation, uh, that ultimately we have hope because of a God who is supreme, who is creative, uh, and, and who delivers, and, and we have one uh, that, that we follow, he, who is a promise keeper, 
um, to, to provide for us. He said that he would provide for us. He has provided for us, and he's given to us lavishly in Jesus that we might be counted among the sons and the daughters of God. Uh, it's been really great today. Thank you for listening to, to the Defender Bible Study. Um, today, our prayer focus is going to be uh, for the counseling ministry here at Lifeline Children's Services. And so we we have begun over the last several years and, and believe that it's important to provide resources to families um, who are uh, seeking to, to, to find reconciliation and healing for their children and seeking to build their families completely um, with children that have come from hard places. And, and, and we believe that, that, that it's important to provide services to those families in order to help them um, to, to, to seek the healing that's possible. Um, we try to combine the, the best in counseling modalities and techniques with, um, with a gospel center and, and with a focus uh, focused on uh, the, the Word of God and on the work of God um, to, to lead families to, to greater functionality, um, to greater wholeness, and ultimately to help families to unlock uh, the keys uh, or, or have the keys to unlock uh, the hearts of their children in or, order to share, share Jesus with them and to lead their children um, to follow Jesus. Uh, I'm really thankful for Angela Maines, our, our clinical director, and for, uh, for our other uh, therapist, Ashley Yeager. Um, is is um, is a longtime therapist with us, and, and we're thankful that she's just returned from maternity leave here in uh, in Birmingham. We're we're thankful for um, for uh, Kim Evans, who is in uh, the Huntsville office uh, and has begun to. Um, to spread our counseling practice out there, Whitney White, um, who is a part of our uh, our counseling ministry as well as our education ministry in Athens, Georgia, we're proud that Katie Yudusky has begun to um, to provide counseling services in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, and um, and we're we're really really. Uh, excited about um, the bringing on of our new counselor, um, Kimonia Brown, who's just joined us here in our Birmingham office uh, and is beginning to see clients. We're really excited. Our goal over the next 10 years is to uh, expand our counseling presence, to have uh, a counseling presence in each of the states where Lifeline is licensed so that we can provide services to families. Uh, I, I would ask that you would pray for us, pray for uh, potential clients, families who have needs to to find us, pray for our counselors as they continue to uh, to build skill and continue to work uh, in order to serve our families well. We pray for protection uh, as uh, as as we seek to do this ministry well and in compliance with uh, with all of the state laws and policies that govern uh, this kind of work. And, and, and pray that the Lord would lead us to the right people as we continue to expand this ministry and, and seek to uh, minister to families well. So, Father, we thank you today for the opportunity to have a counseling ministry like Lifeline Counseling. God, we, we thank you for the opportunity that you give us to apply the best in, in counseling techniques and in psychological theories, um, Lord, through the lens of a biblical worldview. 
Um, and God, we, we pray that we will use these tools well, that families will be helped, and, and that children will find healing as a result of the therapeutic services that we're able to provide. God, we pray that you would lead us to the right people in order that we would be able to grow the presence of this ministry and to help help more and more families uh, that are that are seeking to to find restoration and reconciliation uh, that ultimately can only come through the gospel. And so, Lord, we thank you and we love you for this opportunity. And God, we pray that it will flourish to your glory um, and to the to the praise of your glorious grace. And so, Lord, we ask this today uh, in the only hope that we have in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. So thanks again for joining us uh, as part of the Defender Bible Study. Uh, you can reach out and find us at um, lifelinechild.org or on social media under the tags at uh, lifelinechild. Uh, once again, I'm Rick Morton, Vice President for Engagement. It's been great to be with you. I hope you'll join us again next week uh, as we seek to move into Chapter 3 of uh, Plain Theology for Plain People by Charles Octavius Booth. Have a great week. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.